Hey, this is Robert Mitchell at High Tide in the Dreamtime. This is the 12th episode in this podcast series. Uh, today I'm going to respond to my listeners a little bit because I, I, I've seen that the episode that has had the most listened so far is the astrology of now. So I think people are a little interested in what astrology says about current events. So one thing I'm going to talk about today, or the thing I'm going to talk about today, is Donald Trump's astrology and in relationship to his chart, but also in relationship to what he means right now and in the evolution that's going on in the culture and in the world with the coronavirus and how he is intimately interwoven with it and is sort of the necessary person to be front and center during this experience. I'll explain why that is, even though that sounds kind of counterintuitive. First of all, I would say that the truth is that Donald Trump is America. And America, you're fat. You've got a comb over. You got dyed hair. You don't like to exercise. You don't like to read. You like porn. And you've got a small penis. (laughs) You know, I think that more than anything, Donald Trump speaks to the dark underbelly that Hunter Thompson wrote about, about America when he went on the campaign trail in 1972. Uh, It's a great book, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. It's about his experience uh, during the Nixon campaign. And I think that there's a lot of uh, correspondences between Nixon's presidency and Trump's, but I'm not a political expert, so I'm just gonna stick to what I know, which is astrology and uh, archetypal representations in the collective. And, and Donald Trump's a wonderful example of this. Um, maybe less than wonderful to a lot of people, but I'm going to, I'm going to explain what I know. Now, first of all, I'll talk about, um, a dream I had. I don't dream about Donald Trump very much, but I had one dream a couple of days after the election when people were completely freaking out about him being elected president. And in the dream, I was in a, like a laboratory with this linguistic expert. And he was showing me this kind of almost EKG readout of Trump's speech patterns. And he was pointing to these peaks in the speech patterns that corresponded with him talking. And he would point at the peaks and say, see this? This is where you can see the German. And so I will allow the dream to speak for itself. and I'm not gonna interpret it, but anybody can, it's gonna mean different things to different people, but that's basically what it said. Now, I have an essay on my website called The Chaos King. And basically what the, what the essay is about is as soon as human beings were able to create agrarian societies where they could plant their food and they didn't have to chase it and hunt it, Kings and queens emerged as a structuring uh, tentpole of society. And basically why they emerged is because there's this archetypal need in human consciousness to have an organizing principle that shows where the favor of God is. 
So when you see a culture, there's going to be queens. When you see Egypt, there's pharaohs. When you see Britain, there's kings. You know, all, all cultures have kings. And what we have in the United States is we have a secular king. That's the brilliance of our culture is rather than make someone king for life and have them be king well past the time where they're the most powerful, capable person, which is really what organizes the society is having somebody we can say that is that. We have a vote every four years to determine who that is. It's the genius of American democracy. It's the recognition that that is not something that lasts lifelong and it changes and it doesn't really even last that long. Anyway, so Trump is a kind of king, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, or whatever his fantasy is about, because in this culture, the real religion is secular materialism. It's not really a religion about religion. If you look at what the United States culture is about, it's really about wealth. It's really about wealth conveys the favor of God. That's our mythology and has been for the whole time. And nobody embodies that. Nobody's the avatar of that more than Donald Trump. Because the illusion of his wealth, which was mostly inherited, and the garish representation of it has made him president. He has fulfilled a fantasy that we have. If you look, it's the fact that he's being uh, taken down by the coronavirus, which the corona is the light around the sun. It's the same thing that a crown implies on a king's head. It's the same thing that his golden hair implies. It's the same thing that Trump Tower in New York City implies with its fake gold facade and his terribly garish gold foiled home in it. He has believed that he is the king of this culture probably his whole life. And his astrology chart portrays that so clearly he has a Leo rising and he has Mars rising in, in Leo at, at 26 degrees. His, his rising signs, 29 degrees Leo. Now what is super interesting about this? And I wrote about this as well on my website going quantum.org is a couple of years ago, a couple summers ago, there was a, full uh, solar eclipse. All, and I don't remember where it happened in the world, but when it happens, collectively it affects things. But how it affects people individually is how does the location of this eclipse interface with their archetypal structure? Because it does. So I think it happened at like 27 or 28 degrees Leo. And that is right on Trump's ascendant. His ascendant's at 29 degrees, Leo. So when this happened, like in medieval times, when there were court astrologers serving the kings, uh, when 
uh, an eclipse happened on their ascendant, traditionally, it was time to start considering the new king. <laughs> because what it uh, implied was doom. And it's funny because once this happened, once I was aware of this, I told pe- I would tell people Trump is doomed. And they would say, oh, that's just wishful thinking. That's what you're hoping for. But traditionally, having the uh, eclipse fall on your ascendant meant doom. And what's so fascinating about this from an astrological point of view is that Trump has been, you know, they keep talking about how he wants to be king, how he thinks of himself as a king. And I'm quite sure that he does. He really does see himself as this, with this power, with this anointment from something supernatural. And really what it is, the supernatural anointment he has is the projection of the culture, of the secular materialism, of that moment in Wall Street where Michael Douglas says greed is good. Because that's really what America believes. The majority of Americans believe that wealth infers the grace of God. So this revolting human being without compassion, without insight, without care, without empathy, is still an avatar of the dark underbelly of America and has been set up for this failure that he's undergoing right now for his whole life, much the same way that O.J. Simpson's entire life was really designed for his downfall, to expose the violence of his heroism. Trump's the same. Now, on the essay that I wrote, uh, I think it's called The Chaos King, it was really about how... Times make presidents, not the other way around. So if there is an organizing principle in the collective, somebody strong becomes president. If the collective is disorganized, if it's in chaos, if it's in disarray, then some leader is put in the position to reflect that. So... When somebody like Obama gets elected, who whether you like him or don't like him, and I know that the, in my listeners, the opinion of Obama is overwhelmingly positive, and I'm not going to lie, I thought I thought he was wonderful. He doesn't create order. Order is being created in his election, in in somebody being president who has genuine authority. That is when someone like that gets elected. Bill Clinton was like that too, despite his foibles. You know, these people, even Ronald Reagan, despite, you know, probably being responsible for most homelessness in the United States and kind of, I think, being an awful person, he created an order. An order came into being while he, before, that was, was coming in formation before he was being elected, that had been missing because of the Vietnam War and the chaos of the 60s and uh, 
I'm not going to get into that too much, but Trump's very election implied a chaos that was on its way, that was in transit. Because you can't have somebody who's that disorganized, who genuinely lacks authority in charge during a organized time. Just him being elected, you knew America, the world was in for something because he doesn't have any genuine uh, authority. He doesn't have any organizing principles of his own life other than greed and revenge. So by America choosing someone like that, America knew what was coming, even if they didn't know what they were asking for. Now, what's really fascinating about Trump is the way that he has cloaked himself in kingship. And it's the coronavirus, which has revealed that the emperor has no clothes because as I said, everything about him is to imply kingship. His golden hair, which to him is a crown. His terrible gilded golden life. And the coronavirus, which also implies a crown, is revealing that there are much larger forces at play other than America's fantasy of secular materialism and greed and wealth being the most important thing. Now, um, he is doomed. I, I'm saying that clearly. Now, he may be doomed because he's going to lose an election. And that's going to be his humiliation. Is being recognized as a mistake. And his incompetence being revealed. Because his incompetence hasn't held him back during the course of his lifetime. His lack of social graces his business failures, his lack of humility, his lack of insight. He's just pushed forward in a ceaseless act of self-promotion all the way to being president. And his total lack of qualities of a leader has never been as important as his boorish narcissism. And his narcissism is kind of a superpower. In this culture, narcissism and even sociopathy, which I think he has, can be a humongous advantage. If sociopathy, if you look at everybody around you as just some kind of way to advantage yourself and don't actually have empathy for them, you have a much faster track to success than somebody who's worried about their impact on other people. And that's just the truth. In our culture, narcissism and its higher attuned instrument, sociopathy, is an advantage in a competitive environment. And Trump has portrayed this. His success 
And if you think that he hasn't been successful, ultimately become president, then you know, you're not being honest with yourself. Now, he has some things in his astrology chart that are interesting. For instance, he has a 10th house son. And people who have their son in the 10th house, they're born around noon. His birth time, I think, was 1054. People with 10th house sons, they assume responsibility. They assume that anywhere they are, they're in charge. They don't assume anybody else is in charge and they don't cede responsibility to anybody else. So they really do think that in any environment that they're in, they're the person in charge. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a corporate CEO to have this. Tom Brady has it. Uh, he's got a 10th house son. Jerry Garcia had a 10th house son. Jim Morrison had a 10th house son. Russell Wilson has a 10th house son. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has a 10th house son. They assume they're in charge. They assume that if there's a group of people around, they're the person who's in charge. So that's not fake about Trump. He really believes that and in certain circumstances and in most circumstances, snivelly imbeciles who lack authority will give it to him like Jared Kushner or like Steve Mnuchin because they know that they don't really have that in them, <clears throat> but they believe that he does. And the culture as a whole, more people or as many people believe that as don't about him, but he believes it. When he has those press conferences, he believes he's in charge. And he believes that people shouldn't talk over him and he believes people shouldn't question him. Now, what's really interesting about Trump also is he is an extremely Uranian person. Like his son is conjunct Uranus in the 10th house. His moon is opposed Uranus. So I know people who know how I think about astrology and astrology is a really Uranian undertaking. It archetypally, it isn't interested in conventions. It's not interested in taking years to get to know somebody. It's interested in looking at their archetypal structure and saying, this is who you are and I can recognize that. And this is how your experience shapes your environment. <clears throat> really Uranian people have a responsibility to innovate. And if you think that Trump isn't an innovator, then you're not really paying attention because he is, because he's taken all the conventions of being president and he has flushed them down the toilet. How somebody conducts themselves, how somebody communicates with the collective, the kind of conventions and communication, uh, the formality of it, it's all gone now. And he's destroyed that. And even people who have more dexterity socially and politically that come after him will benefit from that. I'm sure of it. Um, and the thing about Trump as being a Uranian person is he doesn't even notice conventions. He's not trying to be unconventional. That's just what he's like. What I always say about Uranian people is some people say, hmm, 
I'll have some kids in a two-car garage and people know that I understand the culture. And then other people go, I'm going to have purple hair and a hoop in my nose. And then people will know I understand the culture and I'm not part of it. But really those people are as much a part of conventions as people who have the two-car garage. But really Iranian people say, what are you talking about? Because they don't even notice what the conventions are. And Trump doesn't notice what the conventions are. He doesn't have that capacity. And so he is in his own way an innovator. And the Trump revolution that, that, has, that has come, it's not really about Trump. It's really about what's to come. And in that way, he's a stooge of evolution because all of the things, he's like a boil. All of the things that have been revealed by the coronavirus, first of all, that it was preceded by this Wall Street boom, by this economy that was really humming. I mean, and the reason it was humming was because all these regulations had been taking away that slow things. All these regulations like, you know, anti-pollution anti agendas and safety agendas and making sure that the economic system functions with, under some kind of lawfulness. He's taken all that away and in a way he's artificially you know, getting out of the Paris Accord, saying that environmental regulations don't matter and, and, and global warming's a hoax. Sure, you can make an economy hum by ignoring its impact on the world at large. <laughs> and he's done that. But he's also shown that there's no uh, social system in place to support this pandemic that there's no uh, health system in place to support it and that people are vulnerable to it no matter what their economic realities are. And people are going to respond to that in the future. People are going to demand their safety. People are going to demand that their lives are not put at risk at the benefit of the economy. And that's part of Trump's revolution whether he wants that to be his, his role or not. We are all agencies of the collective in our own way, despite what we think about ourselves. No matter what we think about ourselves, we play a role. And largely, it's unconscious. Largely, we're at the play of forces that we don't really understand, that exists outside of our egoic awareness. And so is Trump. And so whatever his fantasy is about himself, it feathers out of this kind of quantum intelligence need for transformation of the culture. It's so obvious in his astrology chart. So while he thinks he's this avatar of secular materialism, what actually is happening is he is the last remnants 
of a dead way of viewing the United States and the collective that we exist in. So he is actually this agency of transformation for what is to come because that's always what chaos births. Chaos always births new structures. And if you think that new structures aren't going to be born of this pandemic, then, and you think things are going to go back to how they were, that's what he'd like to think because he's stupid. But people aren't going to go back to living how they've lived. Things aren't going back to how they were. In fact, he was this projection of this fantasy that exists in the United States and probably in Western culture in total, that that wealth was the thing that inured you against catastrophe. And what's been shown is in his wealth, he lacks insight, he lacks empathy, he lacks vision, he lacks intellectual integrity, he lacks ability to comprehend what's actually going on around him. And that is gonna be the death of his presidency. You know, if something happened to him between now and the election, it wouldn't surprise me. I was sort of expecting him to drop dead once I saw that he had this uh, solar eclipse on his ascendant. But I think what is really gonna happen to him is in his being voted out, he'll be shown that he isn't a king. And what comes after him, which without a doubt is gonna be partly influenced by progressive humanism, by uh, people's suffering during this time, by people's wealth being destroyed, by people's businesses being destroyed, by people's, uh, you know, losing family members to the lack of intelligence of our leader is really going to change things. You know, when I see yesterday, I saw all these people protesting the stay-at-home order in Michigan. I think it was 5,000 people without face masks. I mean, you know, a, lot, a few of those people just aren't going to be around to vote in the next election because of their stupidity. And, you know, Michigan's a battleground state. And their unwillingness to, to acknowledge the intellectual value of science is just going to eliminate them from voting rolls because some of those people are going to be dead. And what's really dying is America's willful ignorance about what our deepest human values are. And our deep in, deepest human values are mystical. They're a union. They're in our collective knowledge that we need one another and that we have to care for one another. And we have to be concerned about the well-being of other people. And Trump is the perfect, like I say, avatar to show us that that's not really what a lot of America thinks. And his removal is going to usher in an age of that awareness. Now, one of the people I really noticed 
during the 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 pre during the pre-election process during the pre-nomination process whose astrology chart I thought was designed to destroy Trump just because of the archetypes in her chart and I was, I really expected her to do better in the uh, nomination process and she was just I don't know. She lacks some kind of empathy or genuineness. I was really disappointed with her. Is Kamala Harris? Her Mars is, I think it's 26, 27 degrees uh, Leo. It's right on his ascendant. And if she is brought in as Biden's vice president, she will go after Trump in a way that only a prosecutor can. She'll rip him to shreds. She'll be very articulate about what's wrong with him and what's wrong with his presidency and will be a huge asset to Biden. And wouldn't surprise me at all if she was one day president, either through a Biden illness or being elected president at some point. I mean, I was really surprised by how poorly she did. Uh, in the debates and, and, and just with people. But it might be a learning process for her. But the way she's archetypally designed, it wouldn't surprise me at all if she was Biden's vice president. Um, and like I said, she is designed in the takedown of Trump. She's designed for it. She was born for it. So... And, you know, if you think Mike Pence is going to do well <laughs> uh, in a debate with her, uh, he'll have his comeuppance as well. So, you know, I really, you know, I'd say go to my website and read the essay on um, uh, The Chaos King. It's one of the, my favorite essays that I've written because it really is about why we have kings and why the genius of America is that we have secular kings. That the genius of, of American democracy is they realize that kings don't last forever. They're not powerful forever or queens. They have their times and then they fall. But in America, every few years, we pick a collective person who we think is the most powerful person. And... In times of chaos, when there's chaos coming, we usually pick somebody who's incompetent. And traditionally we have. And in times when there are new organizing principles in the culture, we usually pick somebody who's able to embody those principles and bring them into being. Like Franklin Roosevelt after the Depression. Um, You know, Obama after the financial collapse that was brought about by a lot of the same principles that have brought about our current uh, difficulties. I don't want to get into it because it's political and politics bore me. But actually seeing the process of leadership and the collective, that's interesting. Seeing who comes and what they foretell. And with Trump, if you didn't think that he was bringing chaos with him, if you didn't think that things were going to break down while he was in charge with his utter lack 
of real authority, then you just really weren't paying attention. And, or I wasn't paying attention, I was paying attention. Um, and so Trump's presidency to me, it's not so much about the Trump presidency, it's about what, it's like a windstorm. It's like a storm. That's how I see his presidency. It's a storm that was gonna create a refresh. And that was evident at the time he was elected. And all of the so-called successes of his presidency were actually just like a boil coming to, the, to a head so that you could see that there was actually no real success in what he was doing. And my expectation is that his ratings will continue to plummet. Any decision he makes that are based on those old values, like reopening uh, America, are going to create more corona spot. Uh, hot spots and demonstrate he doesn't know what he's doing and has no idea what he's doing. And, you know, there's still going to be those diehards that are going to vote for him. But in the collective, he's failed. And if he lives beyond the election, he's going to live in abject failure for the rest of his life, however long it is. And historically, he's going to be seen as an abject failure. He's going to be seen as a joke. And that's really what his presidency is about. It's really about his failure. You could see that in the total eclipse that was on his ascendant a couple of years ago. And as you get more perspective on his failures, as history gets more fail perspective on his failures, it's going to be what's seen as the dawn of a new progressive humanism. It totally corresponds with the aging of the voting populace and the amount of young voters that are also coming in who are going to experience this coronavirus as a complete failure of a vision of life, as a complete way that their antecedents have failed them. And they're going to want to have more social systems in play. They're going to want to have uh, universal health care. They're going to want to have science-based decision-making. Trump's presidency is the end of a fantasy. It's the end of an American fantasy. It's the end of secular materialism as our religious force in this country. You can really tell what people's religion is by how they behave and what they pursue. That really is people's religion. Anybody. You see the way someone spends their time, that's their religion. And America has been gulping greed and wealth and status for a long time. And Trump is the sum total of that thinking. And he's finished. I promise you. He's finished and he will continue to fail. Um, He's been in a bit of a death spiral for, for a couple years. Um, and it may not be physical death, but it's the death of his status in the culture. And it's the death of a way of thinking like him. Now, you know, he's made court appointments and all that sort of stuff, and that's going to impact the culture. But 
it's a wave. It's a wave that's been build, building against secular materialism for years, decades. And he just happens to be the person who's got to take the fall for it. And that's what he's been designed to do. All of his self-promotion, all of his creating a brand, all of his creating a persona in the culture, it has been for this failure. And it will just continue over the next few months. All right, so I didn't get into as much detail about thinking, the thinking of, of kings and queens, and that's on the essay uh, on the website, The Chaos King. But, and it's really worth reading. It's one of my favorite essays, but I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that it's, you know, if you've had any uh interest in, in, you know, I don't like Trump very much. I don't like talking about him, but I think that this was worth mentioning, worth talking about, worth an episode. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.